Hi, this is Ben Kaspit. Welcome to On Israel. The world Jewish population today numbers a little under 15 million, almost 2 million fewer than the number of Jews on the eve of World War II, in which, as we all know, 6 million were murdered by the Nazis and their associates. Despite the establishment of the State of Israel and all the concerned demographic efforts, especially among the ultra-Orthodox Haredi communities, to the contrary, the number of Jews in the world today is similar to that of 1925. And this is not good news for members of this ancient people. Most of the world Jews, some 40% or 6.7 million, live in Israel. In second place is North America, the United States, where some 40% of the world Jews, a little under 6 million, live. All the others are spread over dozens of states and hundreds of flourishing communities around the world. The State of Israel has two heads, the Prime Minister, who is head of the executive authority and acting manager of the country, and the State President, whose job is more ceremonial and who is seen as head of the state and citizen number one. World Jewry has a roof organization of its own, the Jewish Agency. The Jewish Agency has been in existence for nearly 100 years in order to assist the establishing of the State of Israel. Traditionally, the person who heads the Jewish agency is seen as president of the world Jewry. Although the position has no official powers, it does enjoy considerable influence. The agency was established in 1929 as a branch of the Zionist Federation and was named the Jewish Agency for Eretz Israel. Over the years, it has been headed by generations of national leaders from David Ben-Gurion, to the state's third president, Zalman Shazar, second prime minister, Moshe Sharet, finance minister, legendary Pinchas Sapir, and many others. Today, the Jewish agency is headed by Isaac Herzog, former chairman of the Labour Party and the Zionist camp, son of Israel's sixth president, Chaim Herzog, and grandson of former Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Israel, Yitzhak Halevi Herzog. If there is such a thing as Israeli aristocracy, then Isaac Herzog is surely one of its senior members. Bougie, as is popularly known, is currently leading the efforts to regenerate the agency, following with concern about the condition of Jewish communities worldwide vis-a-vis corona crisis and the reawakening of anti-Semitism, as well as being a leading proponent of the efforts to renew mass Jewish immigration to Israel, as we call it, Aliyah. We've got Herzog for a conversation here on On Israel, the new podcast presented by Al Monitor, in order to discuss these issues and some politics as well. Only five years ago, the Labour Party, which established the State of Israel, won 24 parliamentary seats when he, Mr. Herzog, and Sipi Livni headed the Zionist camp. Today, Labour has three seats in Israel's parliament, the Knesset, and these barely made it through and the party continues to hold a very tenuous position for future election. The Labour Party has been wiped off the map, and the question today is, does this signal the end of the road for this historic party, which started its life as the Israeli Workers' Party and has now became a party with a glorious past, but no voters, no agenda, and no foreseeable future? All this and more in a conversation with Isaac Herzog, chairman of the Jewish Agency, immediately after a brief commercial break. Stay tuned.
you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. We're back. Thank you for staying with us. We now uh, we are very happy to welcome Isaac Herzog, chairman of the Jewish Agency. How how are you, Mr. Herzog? Thank you, and thank you, Ben. I want to congratulate you for your wonderful podcast. It's a great addition to the discourse regarding the Jewish people these very days and current events, of course. Thank you, uh, Mr. Herzog. Now, let me first ask you, uh, this year, after I think... 56 consecutive years of the Celebrate Israel Parade on Fifth Avenue. It is uh, happening first time because of the COVID-19 virus digitally. How, how, do you, how do you look at it when, when no one will, will march down Fifth Avenue, but everybody will be on their on the networks? Look, it's a reality that we all live in. You know, all the major Jewish events of the year were canceled. Imagine that even the next year's APAC conference is already canceled. Many of these conferences have moved into the uh, web to Zoom. For example, we are deliberating regarding our next board of governors. Uh, the GA of the Jewish Federations of North America will probably be turned into Zoom. Summer camps, which are one of our biggest highlights of the year. Every year we send, we, the Jewish agent, receive 1,500 Israelis to serve on camps. They're all back in, at home, and we will have camps by Zoom. So, therefore, the Israel Day Parade, which I marched as a young boy when my father, Chaim Herzog, served as Israel's ambassador to the UN, I marched three, two or three times in this parade. Now we'll be on Zoom. And by the way, it was an event, an incredible event. People from all over tuned in, and many Israelis tuned in. So I congratulate the JCRC of New York and all the other organizers who've moved, who've, who've arranged this, but we should hope next year to go back to Fifth Avenue. We all, we all hope to get out of Zoom finally and uh, get back to our, our known and uh, traditional life. But tell me, did you find this year the same amount of enthusiasm among uh, the jury in North America towards this uh, parade, even, even though it is uh, digital, or, or the coronavirus put everyone uh, on hold? No, I think it created enormous interest because people are at home and they're looking for content. The real challenge of human beings, I mean, you know, the coronavirus crisis is a challenge that affects individuals, 
their families, their communities, their towns, their nations. It's all embodied together. And all of a sudden you can offer a different type of content to people who never came uh, to the uh, parade, rather an Israeli type content. And this uh, offers something that's really interesting to people. And I think they've done it very interestingly. But I must tell you something where I'm worried about the fact that, you know, if we don't get back to meeting each other at the end, it will start being boring. And we, 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 and we must have this mifgash, this connection between Jews from here and there. I hope we'll get back to it soon. Yes, we all hope. But let me ask you a few questions about this coronavirus, this COVID-19 uh, catastrophe that hit us all. I'm hearing that Jewish communities in many parts of the world have been hard hit by the virus, sometimes even harder than the average in certain countries. Can you explain this? Can it be because Jews tend to live in close-knit communities or are not sufficiently genetically diverse and this make them more vulnerable? Well, I would be cautious in such determination. I would say the following. The heart uh, of any Jewish uh, community is the gathering, is the minyan. If you think about the notion of minyan, it gives a certain priority to the fact that people are gathering together. Think about it. You know, I've, I've crisscrossed the world in seeing communities. When you get to a community, there's events from morning to night all over on, and of course, machot, and of course, bereavements, and a lot of other things. All of a sudden, all of this has been stopped. Now, the model of fundraising and financing community is also based on this notion of meeting and holding events, and all that has been stopped. And we found a major crisis. We, the Jewish agency, being a global backbone of the Jewish people, understood from the moment we saw what happened, for example, in Italy, that we must come forward with a solution. And we have arranged a special emergency loan fund for communities all over the world, together with the JFNA and Kernai Sod, uh, which we have helped uh, dozens of communities and institutions all over the world with uh, interest-free loans. Uh, you know, and we were the only tool at this in this crisis to be out there to help the communities enabling, imagine that, kindergartens, schools, social services, synagogues, JCCs, what's not, to at least be above water and be able to renew their operations. Can you get into some numbers for us? Can you update us as to the communities that have been hardest hit? I am talking about New York, France, England, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, you, you mentioned Italy. We heard back in Israel, we heard that people, Jews in Italy, came almost to poverty. How did you Absolutely do this crisis? True. Uh, we even supplied their food recently to the Italian Jewish communities. Uh, there are 20,000 Jews in Italy. They were the first ones to be a, a hard hit. Now, there are 22 communities in Italy, some of them of historical names, like, you know, Livorno, Genoa, Venice, but all of them, I mean, is an example of what communities are going through. If the community is aging, if the community doesn't have a cushion for winter days, then the community collapses immediately and they needed help so badly that they told me that since the Holocaust, they never had it so bad. We helped them with money together with Can I Sword 
We then brought them hotlines and food, and, 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 and even with our shlichim became social services. And this is the model we applied to communities all over the world. Now take, for example, France. So France is 5% of, of Israel, okay? For the French Jewish community, 400,000 Jews. In Israel, we have about 300 casualties, unfortunately. But in France, in the Jewish community, we had almost 2,000, which is crazy, meaning it's a very high pr proportion of mortalities. How could you explain because of Purim, Purim had an enormous impact. Purim parties, Purim events, Purim celebrations before governments understood and aging communities too. In England, there was a given moment where the, the Jewish community's casualties were 5% of the entire nation, although it's, it's a minuscule community in terms of its, its proportion in British population. We have about you know 300 plus mortalities in the Jewish community in, in Britain, we have in Spain, we have in Latin America, we have in South Africa, a major crisis because of the rand and collapse of the economy and the fact that nobody there supports the community except the Jews themselves. And many of the strong elements in society, of the Jewish community went on Aliyah or to other countries. So, Communities all over the world, you imagine, you understand that we allotted a certain sum for the fund and we have triple the amount of requests for the fund. We are holding fundraisers for the fund so that people help Jewish communities. It's their brothers and sisters in time of crisis. You just answered the, my previous question because now, now I, I realize why Israel is a very young nation maybe the Jewish communities all over are a lot older and then more vulnerable to, to the coronavirus. It depends. Now, you know, it depends. Take New York, Brooklyn. It's not older. America has six million Jews, but it's a lot of issues, you know, that we will never know. We don't know enough. But it could be true that in some places it was older. It depends a lot on the intermingling. Not all the communities are Haredi. It's, uh, it, some of them are still in the crisis. You imagine that America is talking about not New York, not opening the synagogues in the Chagim. It's like still long away, time ahead of us. And yet the, these places where most Jews are concentrated in major cities are being hit hard. I want to, uh, to ask you a tough question about exactly about peace. There has been considerable uh, publicity here in Israel regarding Jews who contracted Corona and escaped to Israel, especially from U.S. and maybe New York City. Some of them were not citizens of Israel and took advantage of the situation in order to make Aliyah. There are claims in Israel that the coronavirus was imported by affected Jews or carriers who flowed in from New York. Are you familiar with this claim? Is it true? So, but mostly it's an Israeli discourse. First of all, I don't think they came on Aliyah. I think they came before. Not, not, none of them are known as the kind that came from Aliyah. We think they came for various visits or, or visiting family or studying. There's a lot of young Jews or Jews from all over the world, a lot of Haredi Jews and others who come to study in Israel. So I would put that aside. The truth of the matter is that when it comes to Aliyah, the rules were very clear from day one. Only people who have finished their process 
and getting the Aliyah visa were allowed to enter and go immediately to quarantine. So we had uh, about 2,000 Olim in this, in this period so far. And you can understand that a few thousand we did not make Aliyah because they could not fly or just decided to wait until things relaxed. And when they come here, they go immediately to a quarantine. So many people don't necessarily like it. But all in all, now the process is resuming, meaning new applications have been processed and new visas will be granted from the beginning uh, of July, most probably. Uh, talking about Aliyah, can we expect now a, a rise in immigration as a result of the coronavirus? Uh, can you identify in advance this, uh, this rise? Uh, in what places have you noted increased interest? Absolutely, yes. We project a major wave of Aliyah. I've uh, stated the number uh, 250,000 Olim between, uh, in three to five years in the next three to five years, meaning... Aren't you too optimistic? No, let me explain a bit, okay? Yeah. So last year was a very good year for Aliyah. We had 35,000 Olim from 45 countries. Israel has a good name in the Jewish world and a good name in many other aspects. And in the corona crisis so far has emerged as a place of stability. And, uh, and we project that, there were, that we, we see in the numbers and we see in the applications and in the phone calls and the emails. We have a special center called the Global Center, almost 24-7 operating. We see a rise of 50% in, in requests, applications, and, and, and calls from English-speaking countries only, meaning from French-speaking countries, we see a 70%. From FSU, we see definitely a big rise. So once we count all these figures, and of course, bearing in mind that there could be a lot of setbacks, all in all, we project this number and we stand behind it. Also, the Ministry of Absorption thinks the same. Aliyah and Absorption. Uh, Which is a great news for Israel, yes, by the way. Great, great, great and we also news. expect a lot of young people to come. But how can, you, can we prevent cases of Jews making an aliyah and not being integrated into Israeli society and economy? Considerable numbers returning to their uh, countries of, of origin has happened with, for example, the, the Jewish immigration uh, from, uh, from France in the last years. Can you have any, any hint or method to tackle this problem? It's a very good question, and I believe that it requires a national plan for preparation for Aliyah, which requires the new government to sit down with us in a major wave, uh, preparing for the wave. We are partners here. We will hold soon a meeting in the Absorption and Aliyah Committee of the Knesset on that. There has to be a, a public opinion awareness. I can tell you that there's a lot of cities and, that are calling us to say, can we take some Olim? Can we build new neighborhoods for Olim? <laughs> so we are very interested in all of this. And uh, um, France is an example because there have been many disappointments. For example, do you know that nurses in Israeli hospitals are still not allowed by the Ministry of, uh, of uh, Health? I hope this is now outrageous. I think that now I hope that Yuli Edelstein, uh, who's uh, very much a keen on Aliyah, will help on this. It's the new health minister, Yuli Anderstein. Yes, the, the former That's speaker, the speaker of the Knesset. 
Yes. So because because it's not his fault. It's under the realm of the um, bureaucratic echelon. They had all sorts of excuses. Doctors, they're already approved by law, but not nurses. And there's a huge demand for nurses in the country, in Israel. So the, you know, if there's only goodwill, it will enable many, many good people to make Aliyah. And you know, I, I listen to news, radio, I see, and all sorts of people that you won't imagine then were born abroad and made Aliyah. We just don't realize it, how much they're part and parcel of our lives. So my final question about this issue is uh, I want to talk with you about the paradigm. Uh, over the years, there has been a paradigm according to which world Jewry is constantly providing aid to the state of Israel. 72 years have passed since the establishment of the state. Israel has turned into an economic and security power and the existential threat that hovered about it for years no longer exists. Can we say that the paradigm has overturned? Should the state now be helping the Jews of the world? So this is absolutely correct. I believe that it's a fascinating phenomenon that the paradigm is shifting. Uh, in many cases, Israel is emerging as the center pillar of the Jewish world. Whilst it was a pillar and a center for so many Jews, there was always the notion that out there, the Jewish world will support us in any day of, of challenge. And what happened was that in this crisis, Israel is the one who supplies enormous amount of know-how to communities. Now we, the Jewish agency, developed a special platform to help uh, Jewish communities all over the world with ideas about how to manage in security case, I mean, in, in emergency situation, how to deal with medical issues, how to deal with uh, post-traumatic issues. It's amazing. We had last week, uh, we brought the mayor of Hoda Sharon and the, and, and, the, and the professor who is the head of the team advising the Israel National Security uh, Council. And, uh, and together they gave a lecture to all the communities in South Africa. Uh, we had a special experts team from Weizmann Institute that gave a lecture to all of the communities, all of them of France, and so forth and so on. We are supplying a whole bunch of products from Israel. So Israel is a source of information. I think the government of Israel should definitely support initiatives in helping communities. You know, also the issue of security of communities, anti-Semitism. Uh, we are working closely with the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs, and we hope they will have sufficient allocations and budgets work with us in helping Jewish communities. You mentioned the anti-Semitism. Can you briefly tell me if you recognize a rise in anti-Semitism globally? And if so, is it connected somehow to the, to the COVID-19 virus? There is a constant rise in anti-Semitic attacks and rhetoric, especially on the web. Uh, following Brooklyn, for example, you could have seen terrible white supremacist attacks on Jews. We saw the secretion of synagogues in North America, Europe, and elsewhere. We project outright, according to all sources, that post-COVID, we will see, unfortunately, a lot of rise in hate of Jews. It's always, you know, Jews are always the easy scapegoat for uh, societies, especially when there's unemployment. We have to take this into account. We are talking to governments. We are talking to leaders. 
Most importantly, we have a security assistance fund of the Jewish Agency, which has helped and is helping hundreds of institutions in equipment and installations and prevented massacres. But at the end, it's, it's a whole effort that has to include governments, adjudication, legislation, Israeli government efforts as well. And uh, this definitely bothers me and worries me. It will also have an impact on Aliyah, by the way. A good, a, a, a positive impact on Aliyah. Yeah, whilst we all object and will fight anti-Semitism. This is a catch-22 situation, Isaac Herzog, because we need anti-Semitism in order to get all the Jews here in Israel. No, 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 I'm very cautious about it. I'm teasing you intentionally, yes. I am really, really against saying to Jews worldwide, you know, the only solution is Aliyah. Not because I don't believe in Aliyah. I truly believe in Aliyah. It's our top priority. But I believe that every Jew has the full right to live as a Jew in whichever manner, form, or religious practice they feel they want to, to do or not do. Anywhere around the globe, an inherent human right of equality. And therefore, I believe that every community should flourish and, and, and succeed, parallel to the fact that we are in gathering the exiles and bringing them back to our ancient and modern, wonderful homeland. Let me uh, finish with uh, one or two political questions. Uh, only five years ago, it looks like uh, two generations uh, uh, have passed. In 2015, you headed the Labour Party and Zionist camp uh, with Tsipi Livni, and we, you had 24 mandates in the Knesset right now. The Labour Party has got three mandates. And I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the fact that the party in which you grew up in, in which your father grew up, uh, that established the state of Israel has reached the end of its road politically? Well, you know, I'm very cautious about uh, dealing with political issues because of the place I'm in and actually the rules that were set when I went in. I can't shy away from the fact that I was very proud to lead labor and was a, a serious heavy contender for prime minister in 2015. Labour is a historical party which has contributed enormously to the rebuilding of the nation, really. I mean, I sit in the room where David Ben-Gurion led the labour movement. From then, he led, of course, the Jewish agency and then the state of Israel. What's more than that? But nonetheless, I believe, you know, that parties uh, change and parties amalgamate and unite and parties have a, sometimes new structures. It's... It's actually an issue of labor parties all over the world. In many places, uh, it's been uh, gone through crises. And I hope it will emerge one day into a better future. So I guess you will not answer my yes. last question. If Do you have any plans to set an Israeli record? Like, by the way, uh, the American record with the two George Bushes and to, uh, to be the next, or uh, the, the, maybe not the next, but to be the president of the state of Israel, like your father, Chaim Herzog was. Well, so look, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of rumors about, around this, and we are talking a year down the road. Uh, right now, I'm solely focused, solely focused on the needs of the Jewish people, on Aliyah, on connecting Jews to each other in the state of Israel, on, imp on, on impacting Israeli society, and especially bringing the voice of the Jewish people to Israel. It fills my day and my heart. I work, 20, I mean, not 24-7, but I work really hard. 
and serving our people. It's always something which I see as a noble cause. And let's leave it at that. Uh, I, I agree. Isaac Herzog, thank you very much for this interesting conversation. And uh, let, uh, let us uh, feel and be uh, very healthy all over the world, Jews and non-Jews. Exactly, health. And uh, we will I'm be worried about the numbers. Exactly. We are all worried about the numbers. So please keep social distancing, everybody. And we will be right back after a brief commercial break. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ben. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Thank you for staying with us. The main thing we learned from the conversation with Mr. Herzog is indeed the historic change of the Jewish-Israeli paradigm, the shift in the traditional role that Israel and world Jewry played in the show of our life. Since its establishment 72 years ago, Israel got used to the fact that it needs constant help from Jews abroad, especially the North American and European prosperous Jewish communities. Now it finds itself in the opposite role. Suddenly, Israel is not a remote frontier, but a safe haven. It's not a place you escape from, but a refuge you escape to. Israel changed its historic fate from being a burden to becoming an asset. Although COVID-19 virus's effect on many Jewish communities was severe, it contains a benefit, encouraging the Aliyah, the Jewish immigration, to Israel that was the main growth engine of the state since the beginning. Next week, we will dive back to the annexation issue and hope to host here one of the most enthusiastic supporters of this move, former Defense Minister Naftali Bennett. Since then, take care, stay safe, and see you back here on On Israel on Monday in Al Monitor.